is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you being influenced? If you've watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. I want to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today. To donate, just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That has to be an act of Congress. The president can't do it. So that's not even a discussion. Not everybody realizes that, but the president can only postpone, delay, but not forgive. That is a quote from Democrat House Speaker 
Nancy Pelosi 27 days before Joe Biden unilaterally forgave student debt. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is sponsored by American Hartford Gold. If you're like me, then you are growing more and more concerned about the state of our country and about your own future. Inflation is at the highest rate that we've seen in 40 years, and interest rates are skyrocketing. In fact, market experts like Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of J.P. Morgan, are not only predicting that we will face an economic recession, they're using phrases like economic hurricane and unprecedented. If you want to protect your future, then do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by diversifying a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver shipped directly to your door or perhaps into your IRA or 401 And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the business with an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver and a free safe on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or if you prefer text messaging, you can text the word CACTUS to 65532. Again, the phone number is 855-768-1883, or you can send the word CACTUS via text message to 65532. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles, joined as ever by Senator Cruz. Uh, We're so happy to be with all of you and condolences to all of the poor schmucks out there who actually paid off your student debts or your kids' student debts. Uh, You really blew it, folks. You could have gotten a freebie, but you did the right thing, and uh, now too bad for you. It's fairly stunning. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Mel Brooks when he observed it's good to be the king. Uh, What Joe Biden is doing is completely lawless. So, Senator, I... I not only take your word for it that this is not legal, I also take Nancy Pelosi's word for it. Never thought I would say that statement. But when's the last time Nancy and I agreed? <laughs> this, this might be the one and only time Joe Biden bringing the country together. Uh, I think the argument they tried to make was that this in some way related to uh, the HEROES Act after September 11th. Uh, there, there are all these kind of bizarro ex post facto explanations of how Biden did this. But but I, I take both of your word for it that it's, it's not really legal. And yet, obviously, he is doing it. So while he might not have the right to do it, he apparently has the power to do it. Uh, my question then is less about the law and more about the politics of this. Biden, I, I guess he just thinks he's buying votes in the way that machine politics has often bought votes. Is this going to work in November? Well, let's take those one at a time. On on the law question, uh, I think it is clear that he does not have the legal authority to do this. And and this week's cloakroom on Verdict Plus is entirely about that. We do a deep dive into the statutes, uh, into the asserted justifications. The Biden Department of Justice put out a new memorandum from the Office of Legal Counsel trying to claim it had the authority to do this. And so on, on cloakroom, Uh, I go into the statutes, into the details, and explain why all of that is nonsense. And in terms of the politics, 
I don't know. So there are cross-cutting concerns, and, and the honest answer is I don't know how this will play politically. Um, let me give the argument for why it will play badly for the Democrats, and then I'll give the mm. argument why it'll play well. The argument why it plays badly is, is that it is reverse Robin Hood. Robin Hood <laughs> stole from the rich and gave from the poor. This is Joe Biden stealing from the poor and giving to the rich. And let, let me give you some statistics. According to Brookings, the left-wing uh, think tank, the median income of, of households with student loans is 76400 Only 7% of those are below the poverty line. So these are not typically the poor that we're talking about that have student loans. But look, they've gone to college or grad school, so that, that, that tends to move you up in the, in the income ski, uh, strata to begin with. Among those making payments on their loans, so if you exclude the people who aren't making any payments and you focus just on those making payments on their loans, the median income is $86,500. So that's starting to get, get up there, and only 4% are in poverty. Overall, the top 40% of American households hold 60% of the student loans. How many Americans have degrees? Well, 37% of Americans have a bachelor's degree, and 14% of Americans have a graduate or professional degree. That's according to the Census Bureau. And the unemployment rate for college graduates right now is 2.9%. Approximately 87% of American adults do not have student loans. So it is benefiting a relatively small, discrete class. Um, this could play very badly for Joe Biden if the people who are paying for it are pissed off. You know, this is this will cost every taxpayer on average $2,100 to give away this money. Well, Senator, do you remember a couple of years ago, uh, there was a, a voter, a constituent on the campaign trail. He approached Liz Warren, your colleague, when uh, Senator Warren was pitching student loan forgiveness, and he didn't like the idea. I was hoping to teach a question. Yeah. I'm having a hard time. Yep. I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any student loans. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work sheet is 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I uh, didn't look like that was playing very well in Peoria. And so I do think folks like that guy questioning Elizabeth Warren are going to be pissed off. I do think uh, steel workers and truck drivers and plumbers uh, have a reason to be pissed off. All of this could bounce badly for Democrats. Now, let me give you the flip argument. It may be a political masterstroke. Why is that? There's, there's a, a school of thought in economics that's called public choice theory. And public choice theory examines how decision-making is made in a democratic society. And, and essentially what it focuses on is when you have a relatively small group with a concentrated benefit, 
and you have a large group with a diffuse harm, the small group cares a lot about it, mm-hmm. and the large group typically doesn't. And so, look, that there is a real risk if if you are that that slacker barista who 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 wasted seven years in college studying completely useless things, now has loans and can't get a job. Joe Biden just gave you twenty grand. Like, holy cow, twenty grand. That you know, maybe you weren't gonna vote in November and suddenly you just got twenty grand and you know, if you can, you know, get off the bong for a minute and and, and head down to the voting station. Uh, or just send in your mail-in ballot that the Democrats have helpfully sent you. Um, It could drive up turnout, Hmm. uh, particularly among young people. And the people who are getting screwed, it's not necessarily the case that they understand they're getting screwed. It's a little more diffuse of I'm paying taxes, but it's not like you get a bill in October, dear Michael, send in your $2,100 to pay for um, Slacker Boy's loans getting forgiven. When I think of the, whatever, the estimated $300 billion to $600 billion that this could cost, we don't have a really firm number yet. I think, yeah, that's a lot of money. But in the perspective of all the other money that the federal government spends, it's it's just not going to make a huge difference. So that is that is one great fear. And then the, the other fear long term as to whether or not this is a Democrat political masterstroke is you've now created a system of incentives whereby people will be more likely to go to college, assuming that they're not going to have to pay back their loans, assuming that the big daddy government is going to come in and, and take care of them whenever a Democrat is in the White House. And the thing we know about college these days is it doesn't train you for jobs. It doesn't give you a liberal education. That seemed to go out the window decades ago. All it really seems to do is make people more likely to vote for Democrats. So forgetting even about the midterm elections or 2024, in the long term, as a result of this education bill that almost certainly will not result in any real additional education for people, you could have Democrats grooming a whole new generation of voters to be more likely to support them. Well, I think that's possible. I think there's another effect that that, that this act is going to drive up inflation, I think, significantly. Um, you know, it's amazing between this and the Build Back Broke bill they just jammed through, the Democrats have just spent another trillion dollars. Inflation is the number one issue in the country, and they're just pouring gasoline on it. Yeah. Um you know, we just saw today the Wall Street Journal reported that that home mortgage rates have jumped up even more to five and a half percent. You know, look, that's real economic pain for a first time home buyer for for that matter, anyone trying to buy a home. Um, one of the effects of the inflation most concentrated is going to be on college tuition. Hmm. You know, everyone. This does nothing about the crisis. I actually agree there's a student loan problem because universities are engaged in hyperinflation. You know, they've got, you know, your and my alma maters have endowments, you know, 30, 40, 50 billion dollars, and yet they're bilking students out of massive amounts. They keep jacking up the prices year after year after year, and they've got tenured faculty who teach one class. They've got, you know, 50 uh, diversity uh, administrators who who all make six-figure checks. This is the very worst of leftist politics hmm. 
which is they take care of their friends and they give them money. You look at this Build Back Broke bill where they paid off all these left-wing environmentalist groups uh, who, who are just making billions of dollars and all the Washington lobbyists that are making billions of dollars. They take care of their friends and they screw their enemies. I mean, mean for, yeah. for the left, it is a zero-sum game of reward and retribution and it creates a vicious cycle where all the people they're paying off are then going to keep trying to keep the people paying them off in power. I'm reminded of one of my favorite Simpsons episodes where, where Grandpa Simpsons has been getting checks uh, for, I think it was having like itchy, an itchy and scratchy cartoon or something, and he hadn't done it. <laughs> it was a mistake. And, 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 and Lisa says, well, well Grandpa, didn't, didn't you think it was strange that you were getting checks in the mail for not having done anything. And he says, no, Lisa, I just figured the Democrats were back in power. <laughs> well, speaking of the friends of the Democrats, and actually speaking of your ability, you know, to send your kids to school and to make any money at all, Senator, I don't know if you saw this headline, but someone is coming for your job. You have got a major figure, at least according to CNN and MSNBC, coming after you. Uh, the future former Congress lady, Liz Cheney, is launching a political action committee. She's targeting not Democrats, of course, she's targeting Republicans. And you, sir, are at the top of the list. <laughs> well, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by their friends and you can tell even more by their enemies. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I got to say, Liz Cheney, I, I've known Liz a long time. I've known her 20 plus years. You know, there are some people who Donald Trump just broke. They, they just, yeah. they hate Trump so much that, that their mind went on Fritz. And, and, and I got to say, Liz is unrecognizable. She has become a left-wing Democrat now. And, and like 10 years ago, the idea that Liz Cheney was a left-wing Democrat would have been ludicrous. <laughs> Obviously, her dad was Dick Cheney. Uh, he was a conservative Republican. She was, look, they're both, too neocony for me. They're both too eager to get us involved in foreign wars. But that being said, on taxes, on social issues, on most issues, Liz Cheney was yep. a down-the-road conservative Republican. Uh, and by the way, that's where Wyoming is. And, and, and then Trump came into power, and her mind just shattered. And, and, and she. what's amazing is that she's become... It's not even just that she says, okay, I, I don't like Donald Trump. Like, I don't like his, what he says. I don't like how he acts. That's, I understand someone who says that. I don't like everything he says and does. I like the policies we enacted together. I work closely with him on that. But she doesn't limit it to that. It's, it's like Bill Kristol is someone else like yep. Liz Cheney, who has just become a liberal Democrat, who what they say, you know, Cheney's uh, circus act on, on the January 6th commission is indistinguishable from what Nancy Pelosi would say. It's indistinguishable yeah. from what Chuck Schumer would say. And so we just had the primary and, and in, in Wyoming, and, and, you know, she had won by, I don't know, 70, 80% last time around in the primary. This time, she didn't just lose, she lost by almost 40 points. 39 points is what she lost by. And the reason is simple. She doesn't represent the people of Wyoming anymore. The people of Wyoming are conservative. And she's decided she is a Washington, D.C., left-wing Democrat now. And so it's completely unsurprising. 
you know, right after she gets just trounced by the voters. Yeah. There's no remorse. There's no contrition. There's no, gosh, you know, for some reason, the people of Wyoming don't think I'm representing them anymore. There's none of that. It is instead, she says, it's her mission to do what? Defeat conservative Republicans. And I guess it's a badge of honor that I'm the number one person on her list that she's going to take the PAC money she raised. And I think she's got like seven, eight million dollars that wow. that came from lefty Democrats all over the place. And she's going to use that now to attack Republicans. And listen, there are two things Liz Cheney is doing. Number one, she's got a fundraising grift where she will raise money like the Lincoln Project. Lincoln Project is yeah. a great example where it's a fundraising grift of people who used to be kind of sort of Republicans who now make millions of dollars when they're not engaged in other illicit activities, now make millions of dollars raising money from lefties to attack Republicans. And, and they're, to use that phrase, useful idiots, uh, because their attacks arguably have some salience because they can say, I was once a Republican, now I can be a left-wing Democrat, attack them. So she'll engage in a fundraising grift for a while. My guess is she probably runs for president. She gets crushed. Um, and then she will happily retire to being a commentator on either MSNBC or CNN. I don't know which one it'll be. Um, or maybe Mother Jones. I, I mean, I mean, that, I think those are her choices. Now, uh, Senator, speaking of large amounts of money and empowering bad forces, the Iran nuclear deal seems to be a back on the table. The Obama administration crafted this deal and sent pallets of cash to Iran and uh, paid obeisance to Iran after they captured our sailors and set them on the path to getting a nuclear weapon, all of which was very, very bad. And then Obama leaves, Trump comes in, and uh, the Republicans and Trump uh, tear up the Iran nuclear deal. Now, Biden seems to be reviving it, although the details are a little bit unclear. I know you've been very, very involved in this issue. What do we need to know? Look, Biden is desperate to announce an Iran deal, and he doesn't care what the substance is. He, he is willing to give the Ayatollah, I think, literally anything the Ayatollah wants. Um, it, it is a, a political mission for Biden and the White House. Um, and to say it is indefensible you know, it was a year ago that Biden surrendered to the Taliban in Afghanistan. Biden is right now trying to give Iran and the Ayatollah nuclear weapons. That, that is the effect of the deal uh, th that they are negotiating is to make it inevitable that Iran has nuclear weapons. And let's be clear, the Ayatollah leads chants of death to America and death to Israel with thousands of people. In fact, Every year they celebrate in Iran what they call Death to America Day. And, and yeah. that is, it, it is the anniversary of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard taking American hostages in 1979 uh, in Iran. And that is, in effect, a national holiday where they celebrated in Iran every day. Right now today, the current Ayatollah Khamenei uh, is actively trying to murder the former Secretary of State of the United States, Mike Pompeo, yep. the former National Security Advisor in the White House, John Bolton, and, and another uh, State Department official, Brian Hook. All three of them have hit squads being paid for by the Iranian government, actively trying to murder them. And, and you may recall 
couple of months ago, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, was testifying in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and I, I asked him in the hearing, I said, uh, is it true that the State Department is right now paying $2 million a month for security for Pompeo and Hook to protect them from Iranians trying to murder them? He said, yeah, that's true. And I said, is it true that as you were sitting down in Vienna negotiating with, with the Iranians, that the Biden State Department asked the Iranians, hey, would you guys stop actively trying to murder former senior U.S. government officials? And that they said, no, no, we will not stop trying to murder them. And you still sat there and said, okay, well, let's keep negotiating. And, and Blinken backpedaled and uh, he, he obfuscated. He didn't want to answer that question because the answer is yes. And about the only thing I got candor from Blinken on is I said, my next question was, I said, Mr. Secretary, w- would you agree that trying to murder the U.S. Secretary of State is a pretty big, big damn deal? <laughs> and Blinken was forced to laugh and say, yeah, okay, that, that, that is a big deal. But, but who it doesn't among stop us? Biden. Who among us hasn't? Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it, it is ludicrous. Here's some good news: hmm. the chances that the next Republican president, which I think will be in 2025, will rip up whatever ridiculous deal these guys negotiate. I think they're very close to 100. percent And that's something I'm trying to make very, very clear. I'm trying to lay the basis for it, lay the factual predicate for it. The Ayatollah, the biggest thing the Ayatollah wants in agreement is some sort of promise that will bind the next president. Because Trump, the most important national security decision he made was to tear up the old Iran deal. The next Republican president, whoever it is, I think there's widespread agreement, whoever the next Republican president is, will tear up whatever disastrous deal this is. That's a very good thing. And, and, you know, look, one of the things that, that the Biden team is desperately trying to find is some way to tie the hands of the next president. I don't think they'll succeed, but they're trying to write into the agreement clauses that, you know, hand over a massive amount of money if the next administration pulls over. They're trying to put poison pills in there to prevent the next administration from pulling out. Um, We'll see what they come up with, but I think regardless, the next president is pulling out of this disastrous deal because allowing the Ayatollah to have a nuclear weapon is an unacceptably high risk that that weapon would be used to murder millions of Americans. The Biden administration is clearly working overtime in this regard, but uh, Gen Z is not working overtime, and I I know that we are going overtime, but I have to get your opinion on this. This is completely outside of the Iran deal or even the education bill. This is just a cultural matter, but it really shocked me. I was reading the Wall Street Journal that there is a trend that has taken over TikTok and all sorts of commentary among the Zoomers, among Gen Z, you know, the the people younger than millennials, which is the trend of quiet quitting. And quiet quitting is when you keep your job, you're not, you don't quit, you don't resign, you don't even get fired. You just do the bare minimum. You clock in at nine o'clock on the dot, you clock out at five o'clock on the dot, you don't pick up your phone, you don't work weekends, you don't do anything. And it was it was so bizarre to read this because 
I was always raised that you just work hard and you never stop working hard and all the guys at the top are working really hard. I know you work about 27 hours a day. I've seen it up close in cities all around the country. How do you explain this trend? And do the Zoomers have any sort of point when they're looking for work-life balance? Well, Michael, I got to say, I, I think you're being ageist. And, and it may just be that you've gotten too old and you're too far removed mm-hmm. from the youngsters. And, and, yeah. and you need someone like me who's, who's more in touch with, with the youths. Um, listen, we have a prominent example of someone doing this. Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. <laughs> uh, the guy's had a job for a year and a half and he hasn't left his basement. <laughs> um, true. you know, it, it, um, look, I do think the pandemic had all sorts of harms, but it was particularly harmful to Gen Z. It mm. was particularly harmful to people starting their careers uh, it was very harmful to kids too. I mean, kids who had school shuts down, shut down. That was incredibly harmful. But it, you know, you have a, a lot of people in their early twenties who have their first job, and their first job was during the pandemic, where they worked from home and they just zoom from home. And and I got to say now, and I talked to lot lots of people in in the workplace who say that that you know twenty something say, hey, I'm just going to work from home this week. Um, and, and they think that it's, it's just the way it's done, that you just zoom in. And there are lots of problems with that, one of which is that, that often people who are working from home don't work. Like they claim I'm working and magically they're doing everything from, you know, playing golf to sleeping to, to you know, running on the beach. Uh, but none of which are actually the job presumably you're paid to do. Um, but it also really hurts young people not to be in the office. And, and, and I look at, you know, I mean, I think back to, to when I was in, in my twenties and just starting working, the experience of being there, of being in the office culture, of seeing people who are more experienced, of learning from them. Um, you know, look, I worked obviously as a lawyer it is still very much the case that the way you learn how to be a lawyer, you don't learn how to be a lawyer in law school. Hmm. You learn to be a lawyer much like they did in the days of Abraham Lincoln, which you, you carry someone's briefcase. You just watch someone, you apprentice under someone who is doing it, and you learn by osmosis, you learn by just observing and being there and seeing the day-to-day rhythm and how you do it. And I do think young people in particular who think I don't ever need to go into the office to work are robbing themselves of really critical uh, education and on-the-job training. And that, at the end of the day, it's not healthy for society, but it's not healthy for them either. Like, working hard and, and, you know, listen, I had years after years after years of you know, working 16, 18, 20 hours a day. And, and, and that, uh, that discipline, if, if you want to do things that, that are important and significant, it, it takes that time and commitment and energy. And, and so I, I, I do worry that all of the lessons society is, is teaching the younger generations 
are lessons that are going to be really harmful for them in the long term. Well, I'm glad that I could I could get that insight from uh, someone who is young and hip to what the youths are talking about. And uh, I can I will take that back and, and stew in that. Before we go, I have to remind you to subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, go subscribe. YouTube, make sure you join Locals and the Verdict Plus community because there will be a whole other episode of The Cloakroom coming up with our friend Liz Wheeler. Liz, what are you going to talk about? Hi, Michael. Hi, Senator. Yes. So it's very obvious that Biden's student loan debt cancellation executive order is unfair to people who have paid their debts off. It's also very expensive. It's going to cost the American taxpayer billions of dollars. It's redistribution of wealth, but opposite from what the Democrats usually advocate for. This is actually taking from the poor to give to the rich. It's also inflationary. It's going to increase or worsen inflation. But here's here's the million dollar question. Is Joe Biden canceling student loan debt via this executive order even legal. That's what we're going to explore today on The Cloakroom. Join us at verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus. If you use my promo code, Cloakroom, you can watch for free for the first month of your annual subscription. That's verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus. Sounds fabulous. By the way, speaking of speaking, of speaking uh, we want to see all of you in person. Uh, verdict is going back on the road. You can apply to have your school be one of the verdict stops at yaf.org slash verdict. That deadline is coming up, so make sure you submit your school today, yaf.org slash verdict. And I very much hope that I will see all of you in person soon. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.